Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry scoops. Corey Perry. Will you able to shake away from Solani? It's given away to Solani. Around in front. Score! Tamu Solani with the steal. Three of the fans score one. Score! Off the floor. On the board. All right, we are back with a Saturday morning edition of the Forever Mighty Podcast. We're on time this week, back-to-back weeks on time. Pat ourselves on the back, we're here. And, uh, well, we missed two games this week, tonight's game against Pittsburgh and St. Louis, but we have three games to to cover and one uh, special goal that I know we're going to spend a lot of time talking about. How's it going, Steven? So, I realized that... For the Olympics that they're not going to, 
<laughs> Team Canada could take an entire defense core of pairs that already exist. They could go Taves, Makar, uh, Theodore Petrangelo, and Wegar Ekblad. And I think that would, by about a mile, be the best defense core in the league. Who, who are who would they be missing there? Would they be missing like any anybody stand out? Like I get like Latang, I guess, but even that, like. So yeah, I mean, you're kind of looking at like, let's see, you've got Latang, Gerard's probably a cycle away. Yeah. Uh, Nurse, depending on who you Dougie, talk to, I guess. Dougie, but he hasn't been that great. Hamilton, year. yeah. Honestly, exactly. like those right those player. six guys you mentioned, like I, those are probably three of the top five defense players in the league right now. Uh, Devin Taves yeah. probably has played his way onto Team Canada, I would bet. Uh, Uyghur's been great. Akblad has had a career year. Makar is Makar. He's going to make it no matter what. Uh, and Petrantel has had a, a pretty good run this year, too. So, I I mean, hey, like, if you – the Olympics, there always seem to be about chemistry. I think there's a report that came out, and they said, oh, Marner's not playing well, so he's not going to make Team Canada because they want to go with guys who are playing well, <laughs> which, I mean, I don't know if that's the best decision from Hockey Canada, but you see this every time for every team when Olympic teams are picked. It, there's a few guys who are locks, and then there are some guys who they're not playing well that year. They get off the team, and then guys like Uyghur or Devin Taves make it because they're playing well. Well, yeah, and the other thing, like, right, is if you look at those three pairs, they're pretty much perfectly balanced. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. you're you're really not going to find a six that does it all the way that does. Um, it, it's just kind of crazy to me that that's, like, even on the table, which, to be fair, again, is also why I think you guys shouldn't be allowed to talk like, you shouldn't be allowed to bitch about Canadian Olympics. No. You could literally leave off, like, the 10 MVP candidates and still probably win the tournament. Oh, easily. Stupid. I'll take it. Okay, calm down. Calm down. Easily. Shut up. Well, you guys have the better goaltending, right? So you, you have that. Oh, what? You don't believe in Jordan Bennington? Not a chance. I don't even know, well, with Price down and Flurry not playing great this year. I don't even know who would be the best candidate for Canada in that right now. But we'll get into that. Uh, probably we... still more Tambor Door, I think. Yeah, come out of retirement and come hang out. But <laughs> we got we got some Ducks games to talk about. Uh, three, in fact. The Ducks have started their road trip pretty well. Five points of, of possible six uh, on the road so far with the only loss coming in the shootout against the Capitals. All three games have been one or almost one goal games. I guess the Sabres was 2 nothing, But really close, hard-fought games. Um, I, I wouldn't say... It was the same as the last couple of weeks where the Ducks have dominated a few games and, and come out on top because of it. They have kind of been behind the pace of play, which I guess it is to be expected on the road, but not by a lot. Like, I think in each game you could argue the Capitals kind of controlled the play for most of the game, but not in a dominating way. Same for Buffalo, but mostly because the Ducks were uh, had some tired legs coming in on a back-to-back and then playing Columbus in, uh, at home where they're 9-3. and three on the season is a tough go. And I think Columbus controlled the majority of that game, but again, not in a dominating fashion where the ducks looked outmatched, but to come out of that, go into three tough buildings and come out with five points is pretty good. I mean, the ducks are starting to continuing to show us that they are for real this year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's kind of crazy, right? Like, I don't think, you know, obviously when two thirds of your top line go down, um, or your first line or whatever. I don't want to get into that. Um, you know, but they lost Rico, who's having a great year. And then they lost Getzloff. And him and Terry were driving the bus on that. And, uh, you know, my big question was like, okay, what do we see from Terry now? Because 
you know, I don't expect him to turn into a pumpkin, but I also think like at this point in his career, it's kind of, it's like, all right, dude, like if you can, if this leap is for real, then you should be able to drag that line a little bit. And he's done a pretty good job of that. But, you know, the fact that the Ducks have just kind of kept rolling and winning, it's just a testament to them. I mean, they're just playing really well right now. And I think, you know, earlier in the season, Dallas Eakins had kind of talked his way into the Jack Adams. And then, you know, they kind of fell down back to earth a little bit. But even then, falling back down to earth, they've still been consistently in a playoff spot. Like, so, you know, at this point, I guess it's just like, between the kids being better sooner than people thought and the defense kind of rounding into form again um, and the division being terrible. Like, at this point, you have to say the Ducks are for real. And you mentioned this on, I think it was yesterday's Morning Brew, about, you know, the poll I posted as far as um, what do we think the front office is going to do. And, and, I mean, look, I think the next – month and a half is going to be really interesting because it's going to probably have a lot to do with those decisions yeah well i don't think anybody would have guessed 28 games into the season the ducks would have 15 wins and be 15 8 and 5 and comfortably sit in second in the pacific i know edmonton has some games in hand and they'll probably make those up but you're still in the top three of the division in front of vegas in front of some other good teams um and, and it's it's you know full value right they've done enough to be in the position that they're in it's not like you know years past where the ducks have started well and it's been heavily on john gibson and he's they've you know getting shelled for 40 to 45 shots a night and he gets them to a one nothing or two to one win it it hasn't been that this year it's been on the back of the offense a great power play very good special teams uh, some depth scoring all the way throughout and then obviously some some stardom from Zegris and Milano and Raquel so far this year and then obviously early on Troy Terry gets and Henrique too so there's just been a lot of depth and and a guy I mentioned on uh, Ducks Morning Brew I think it was Friday as well is Isaac Linderstrom uh, has mm-hmm. quietly just taken control of that third line center role and really been um, you know, one of the Ducks' top contributors at even strength and in, in a penalty kill threat to, to score shorthanded too. He's got two shorthanded goals on the season. So it's just it's just been a lot of fun to watch these guys this year. Like everything that's kind of could have gone right has gone right. And you think, okay, Max Jones still isn't in this lineup and Maxime Comtois still isn't healthy and in this lineup and Perot is on the verge of making it and Tracy's on the on the way and you know, all the prospects coming up in Pastuov and Zellweger and, and whoever you get in this year's draft, right? So, like, there's it, – it's coming around a lot quicker than I think we thought it would. I, I still don't want to get too far in front of myself or too too far ahead of myself here and, you know, banking on one season because I know Sabres fans we, – we've talked about this before, I think, a couple of years ago where they, they started, like, 25-1 and one or something. And then, <laughs> and then the, <laughs> the wheels fell off. I don't think the Ducks are the same as that team. But in terms of does this mean they're going to be better next year – are they going to be the same next year? I don't want to get quite to that yet because uh, it's very tough to come in and, and back it up in two seasons in a row. Um, and we'll have to see who's even here next year, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I it's a very weird spot to be in because, like, the, just the fan part of my brain is like, this is the best like they're in they're ready they're ahead of schedule go for it like let's just make it happen and then like the part of my brain that like i very seldomly use is like okay but like are we a hundred percent sure that this is for real and like it's just very it's hard for me to like try to find the balance between those two 
kind of thoughts because uh, you know we've talked about it a thousand times but it matters like there's some significant um what do you call it there is some significant pending free agents that you know this team has to make some decisions on and age and timeline and all that kind of stuff comes into play but it's also you know like i don't know that it like I don't know. We like we talked about this last week, but it's just like how do you walk into that room and not look at those guys and be like, yeah, you guys have earned the right to keep doing it. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's a tough call, I, right? And like we're gonna dive into this a little bit later when we talk about that poll that you put out and Jeff Solomon, but it it really is an interesting spot to be in because I don't think they expect it to be as good as they are, and now you're facing some key pieces of your roster who you have to make a decision on, like three. Manson, Lindholm, and Raquel are three key pieces of the core that are still here. But, you know, I I think there's some understanding from Solomon and management that, you know, it's a great year and you got to reward the team, but you also have to, you know, stick to the plan here. And, you know, it's it's a young team that you've got a lot of young players on the way. You've got two guys, like we already mentioned, that aren't in the lineup that you have to fit in at some point. There are guys who can step in and replace some of these guys. Maybe not, we talked to this too on the last show, maybe not Lindholm and Manson. That's a little tough for the Ducks. I think they're a bit thinner on defense than they are up front. But uh, I, I don't know. We'll have to see. Like, I, I, I want to get into this, um, but I think we, we should save it because we got uh, – some um, some plays from the, this week to talk about specifically. We got to talk about that Milano Zegra school. I want to get <laughs> I want to get into that. What happened? Oh, my God, uh, I have so much to say about this, uh, and and it's perfect timing based off of the Torts comments from last night, which was yeah was excellent. But this goal, man, like this this is all about what hockey is is kind of becoming and what it's what it's supposed to be in the in the fun in it and getting some personality in the game and some creativity i love it i I think everybody i mean who's a ducks fan at least love it and who's not john tortorella and rick talkett but like so okay you want to do this now (laughs) i i just i don't necessarily think it's fair to say that rick talkett and john tortorella shared the same sentiment okay true you're right you're right and the other thing to say about this that i think is very cool is you know the ducks posted to their instagram that like michael b jordan saw it and like you know this is some real like please like my sport shit but like also like you know i live in southern california please like my sport i love this stupid sport it's the best so like to see you know that that kind of stuff just get that kind of burn like it's huge you know what i mean and like we'll get into the good for the game grow the game conversation and all that kind of stuff but like Man, it's just, it's very cool to to see the, you know, to just see like a whole social media cycle about two guys on the Ducks. Like, it's just cool and it's fun. It's because, you know. I haven't like, had it in a while or really a, ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, like if you, you know, like. Paul and Solani days and that's it. Like, and even then you didn't yeah. have the social media to really drive it, right? Right. Well, the other thing, too, is is just the dynamism and, and the ingenuity, right? Because, like, you know, we've had a couple of, like, surprise fun goals where it's, like, the dangling, like, Adam through uh, – or Edom through Winnipeg. Bobby Ryan in, oh, against Nashville. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, hell, even Bobby Ryan against the Kings mm-hmm. when he made Pat Sajak cry. Um, you know, we, we, you've had those kind of highlights, but it's never been to the degree where everybody kind of collectively looks at you like – what your guy can do that yeah. and you're just like 
I guess. I didn't know he could do that, but apparently he can. You know, and like, I, I don't know, man. It's it's very hard, I think, to feel jaded about something that cool. That goal was just a ton of fun to see. Have we ever seen a kid 50 uh, games into his NHL career pull that off? Like, or pull try as many things as Zegras had? Like, I, I think it was, there was somebody on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, but they tweeted out, like, a highlight reel from this season from Zegras. It was, like, three or four minutes long of different mm-hmm. plays that he's tried and then capped off with this goal. And I, I put out a tweet, and I was like, this is, like, a full career highlight reel for some guys of things that they've pulled off. And this is 25 games for Trevor Zegers this year. And not to mention some of the things he tried to pull off last year. And we talked about it a a few shows ago, probably a couple weeks ago now that he's eventually going to pull something like this off, whether it's the Michigan or between the leg school or something like he was just trying it on a nightly basis, trying to get something to happen. And I mean, this was not something I ever thought I would see. Like it's been tried once by Datsuk, and he tried to bat it out of the the air himself after he flipped it over the net. Other than that, we've had guys. I don't know if they flipped the puck over the same way, but try and like bank it off a goalie's back in 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 similar fashion. But to you know, alley oop it, Michigan up under your stick, alley oop it over the net, and then for Sonny Milano to hit that out of midair is just as impressive as the pass. And Zegers' reaction to the goal is everything too. I love it. Like he. He's got the confidence to try to pull these off and was just as surprised as anybody in the building that it actually worked and that he was actually able to do it. Like, And and what it does now, too, is now that he's introduced this move to his arsenal, he's going to score the Michigan at some point because now goaltenders have no idea what he's going to do when he picks that puck up on his stick, whether he's going to wrap it around in the top corner, flip it over the top, or, or do something else with it. Like, it... He's on notice. He's on watch now when he's behind the net that there's going to be two guys hacking their sticks at him every time he gets the puck behind the net. He All he needs is a little space. And it's like every time we see him, like on that play, he's got nobody beside him. He's got one defender kind of at the corner of the net. You're like, he's, you know he's going to do it. Like, you know he's going to try it or do something because he's got enough space to get it done. Yeah, I mean, at this point, like you just – he just has a gravity to him that is just remarkably special like you know there are players that like when you're watching as a fan you can't take your eyes off of but they're not always players that like bend the structure of the entire other team kind of not not necessarily to their will but to their presence right like you have you know what i mean it's 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 the ovechkin on the one-timer thing it's just like your whole thing is either we either have to all agree that we're going to shift over and surround him and it's going to be four on O and we're going to pray that the goalie makes a save or we're going to ignore it and try to suppress the shot from ever getting there. But both decisions are based around the fact that on that dot, there's Alex Ovechkin who will shoot the puck through you, um, you know, and, and to have that kind of creativity, you know, from a playmaking perspective, I think is just so special because, you know, we've talked about the kind of similarities in his game with Getzloff's game, as far as just being passes and looking for things that other guys aren't looking for. But like, you know, Getzy doesn't, I guess the best way to say it is Getzy doesn't think vertically, right? Like apparently Trevor does. Yeah. Getzloff so... is just a very, very good passer, but he's not he's not flashy about it, right? Like as, as flashy right. as Getzy gets is a like backhand sauce pass like that. <laughs> that's right. that's pretty exactly. much it. But with Zegras, it's like 
Patrick Kane's creativity with passing the spinorama passes and everything, and then like an added level on top of that, where like I just don't think we've really seen anybody come into the league that not only has the confidence to try these, but the skill to pull it off at the same time. Like I just don't think we've seen somebody come in this quick and just do as much things as Trevor Zegers has tried to do, which is exciting for Ducks fans, right? Like. We're used to seeing like you know a certain style of hockey for the last five six years of a heavy physical team that bullies everybody. And beats that, yeah, like it's it's been a while, and to have this new wave that kind of is where the game is going, and have guys like Zegers and Milano coming to the team, and Troy Terry has been putting people on notice with his puck skills this year. Like, just a nice change, a lot of fun to watch, and great for the league to have a, a kid like Trevor Zegers in there, and obviously a lot of fun for us that he gets to be doing it on our team and not against us. I feel for. For Sabres fans, a little bit of that game. Like, they've already had it, like, really bad this year and over the last few years. And, of course, it happens against them, right? Like, it's just a tough right. go. Yeah. You know, and, and you feel for Pekka Lukin in there because, like, he pretty much played it perfectly. Like, I don't know what else he was supposed to do. It's just Milano just tucked it into that tiny little bit of space over his shoulder. And you're just like, perfectly executed yeah, play. Like there's, there's I, okay. You can do. Yeah. Fine. Whatever. I don't, yeah, you know, the, I'm not going to stop. Flip, like, the flip was do? perfect over the net, like perfectly weighted the height, everything comes it, it, you know, the deception and everything. And then Milano's, um, bad out of midair is just perfect where he was able to place it i don't know if he if he fully meant it it was just get as much as you can on it and hope that it goes past him but uh brett yeah. brings up a conspiracy I, here that maybe the high it was a high stick but the league just brushed it aside because they wanted the they knew how much that goal would mean <laughs> to see that game, you know to see that happen. I, I wouldn't be surprised complete, i'd be on board with that i i wouldn't either i would be down with it i love it um the, the other thing, and then this will kind of get us into the next obvious thing to talk about, but I I assume most people saw it just because, you know, if you're paying attention, you're a Ducks fan, but they did the uh, the the Doctor Strange edit yeah. uh, Bleacher Report did on that. Bleacher Report with the pass. And, I, you know, I mean, we've been in this Marvel thing for like, I don't know, 10 years, something like that, 15 years, whatever it's been. It feels like it's been forever. And like it's very hard to not kind of roll your eyes for me, at least that like all those kind of mashups. Cause they always feel forced. Yeah. That was so fucking that cool. Was man. Awesome. Whoever thought of that, like it, they just did such a great job. And then like manipulating the footage. So like it comes from in front, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it, it was awesome. And I think that kind of tie in is, is the kind of thing that gets, people's attention on twitter right which is kind of a whole thing that the nhl that's what they're trying to do whether they're they're trying to or not they need to do which is try to get as many casuals into the into the you know into the the tent as possible and hope that some of them stick around i I think they are play like that like i i have to think they are because the different avenues of ways you can consume the game and get commentary on the game from different types of commentary, this year specifically, NHL on TNT appeals to a certain audience. ESPN Plus appeals to a certain audience. And then you've got the traditional broadcasts that you can watch that are kind of the old school broadcasts, right? So they've now got mm-hmm. different ways you can consume the game. Bleacher Report has done a great job this year with their, I think it's their open ice um, I don't exactly. I haven't really looked into it, but that's where that that clip you're talking about came from. That's been great. They've been great this year. There just seems to be a lot 
more content for the NHL this year. They've taken the NBA mm-hmm. type approach where they're doing a lot more of these things and bringing different voices and opinions into the game, which is what they need to do. And, you know, as much as I hate the Torch comments, you need them, right? You need the discourse for a play like this and, and to continue to talk about it. You, you're never going to have one side of it. Majority of people like it. The clip has 50 million views. We all love it. There's always going to be some people on the other side of it, and you, you need it for the, the conversation, the debate, because all it's going to do is bring more act, more light to the game, more light to the play. John Tortorella is going to get shit, which everybody loves to give him shit about stuff. So... You, you need those comments, right, to, to keep it going. Yeah, drive the interest, drive the narrative, all that kind of stuff. Um, I assume that you have quite a bit to say. Um, so I will just say that I'm going to flip the conversation over the net, and you can hit it home, and we'll see. Uh, I'm just going to let you rant for a minute, and then I'll, I'll Should talk. Should we play the two-minute clip so everybody who hasn't heard it can hear it? I've got it queued up here. for Play it. Let's do it. Right, hold on. It's a clip show now, baby. Yeah. High grade. When I saw that goal, Mr. John Tortorella, was what does Coach Torts think of this goal? I really want to hear your opinion here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, it's tremendously skilled. Uh, for Sonny Milano even to yell Michigan in the middle of a play uh, in a game is, is skill. That's a skilled play. My, my position, though, is is it good for the game? Like, I hear Ray saying all the kids are doing it now, okay, in practice and stuff like that. Uh, I'm not so sure. Uh, and, again, I don't – I'm not trying to be a fool here, but I, I'm just not so sure it's great for the game. If you did that back in the 2000, late 90s, 2000, you get your head taken off. Uh, it, it's, it, it's cool, you know. It, it's cool to watch and all that, but I'm not so sure it's good for the game. And, and I stand by that. 50 million views is a lot. To see it online. Well, it's not even, it's, it's the goal is amazing, right? I mean, you said the fact that they've actually said that, like I have, you know, kids in that coach in high school that, that they want me to drop plays off the face up so they can try to score a goal like that, just to score the Michigan goal. But for him to be a rookie, to try to actually try that in a game as a rookie, yeah, I would, yeah. you would never even thought about doing something. What yeah. would you have said if they, if they were on your team and they did that? Yeah, I, I'd have, I, you know, I'd have a talk with the people. I would uh, after the game. I, and again, I'm not trying to be difficult about it. I, it's fun to watch. It, it's really cool. But I, I just think we, I think our game has gone so far away from what what the game should be, uh, a hard game, uh, an honest game, and uh, it's almost gotten too. It's too showman. I, I know you need to have it. I, you need to sell the game. But I'm just, you know, I'm from the ilk of the, it's still a hard game to play and at a good, honest hockey game needs to be played. I think some of this stuff here, we get carried away. But that's good for the game, though. The fact that it's been viewed that many times. Yeah. The fan that we're trying to attract y- yes. is the casual fan. But I fan. think you're losing fans, too. I think you're losing other fans also when you're attracting others towards this stuff. What would you have done if you were... Goaltender. It would have been bad. Yeah, it would have been bad. It would have been bad. I would have pulled myself, I think. <laughs> All right. There's a, a lot to unpack there. Um, <laughs> my, my favorite thing is, like, you can tell he's holding back. If you got him off camera in a room and he didn't care and no filter, he wouldn't have said it's cool or whatever. He would have went in on it. There's absolutely no way. He's holding back a little bit there for, for TV. I like there's just so many things wrong with this for me like listen you can have your opinion I get it I understand it the the comment that bothers me is saying it's bad for the game 
it's bad for the way he wants the game to be in his mind. It's not bad for the game. It's actually great for the game. Like you, they're, they're just saying you get 50 million views on a clip. That's a lot of casual either hockey fans or people who aren't hockey fans who might now become hockey fans because of that play. That's great for the game. The play itself isn't bad for the game. It's bad for the way he wants the game. And and, and you can hear it in his comments where he says, oh, I, I don't like where our game is going, where he's saying, okay, this is, you know, now classified it as the the old boys club where it's it's our game our game is dying because these kids are coming in and having fun and nobody's getting their head taken off and you know headshots uh, at center ice uh, and nobody's you know nobody went and tried to level zegris after that play and and his the, his version of the game is dying listen i i i understand the sentiment i get it i you know I, i'll probably be the same way in 20 years when you know, when when the game changes Though from the way I'm used to watching it, and and like I know if Pat was here, he'd be probably no, I don't say arguing the same side as Torts, but uh, you know based on our previous arguments, I'm sure he would be a little bit more in favor of what Torts is saying to some extent. But I'll, when Pat gets here, you can back you can back that comment up a little bit. But like it, for for me, like the the thing that bothers me the most, like I said, is is saying it's bad for the game because that's just a ridiculous comment like he mentions that he says oh i don't want to be a fool well you're a fool by saying it's bad for the game right there you've already you've already screwed yourself by saying that i if he wants a more physical brand of hockey that's fine it's the same as like, i like the skilled brand of hockey i love these plays that's my opinion his opinion he wants a, a more physical brand of hockey that's fine but when you're saying it's bad for the game and it's our game and our game is dying because of, that's where i have a problem because it's not your game it's everybody's game and clearly, the majority of people like this because there's a ton of views and a ton of positive reception for this. I, I got it. What, what are your takes on this? Because I know we chatted about this last night. And you wanted to save it for today, so I'm sure you've got. You've so, got something to say. and don't play devil's advocate. I want to hear what your honest opinion is on this. I no, I like. I don't know, man. Like my thing with this is like what he said and what Talkett said, like. It doesn't really surprise me. I think I understand where Torts is coming from. I think there is a degree to which people people project, right? And I think a lot of people, like when he says our game, I don't think he means everyone over 35. I think he means the hockey community. He considers himself to be a part of the hockey community. He has won a Stanley Cup. He has coached in this league. He's coached the Olympics. Like he has been, for better or worse, a steward of this game for 20 years, 25 years, if not longer, because you didn't, you know, he didn't just walk into the NHL as a coach off the street. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. He didn't. Get he paid his dues. He's, he's been like he was a a good coach in this league, and he he's an important part yeah, for so, what he did. So, yeah. So, like, I think his our thing is very much just like who are we, who do we want to be, kind of thing. And I think when I talk about like projection, like I think there's a degree to which people naturally project their sense of morality, their personal philosophy, or their their kind of worldview onto this game and like just when he says make it a good honest game like what he's saying is he's like just beat the fucking guy in front of you right like it's kind of like that old school football like run the ball thing it's like no we're gonna put five guys on the line 
and we're just going to push you out of the way and we're going to give it to the dude back here and he is going to run and we're going to do that all game and it's going to hurt and you're going to have to deal with that and like you know he's a a, 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 a a militaristic type guy you know we know he has a lot of He's had a lot of things with veterans and stuff like that in the past. And, you know, just by his general personality, like you get that he's just kind of a real structured, regimented guy. We've seen the way he plays, like, you know, his teams play with structure and shutting things down. And like, I just think what this is for him is it's him kind of working through a generational thing where, you know, he just thinks like if you put a guy on your back, like, like, you know what? I, like, I just don't like. This is not more on the Sabers, though. He, like, is this if? Why is he not more mad at the Sabers? They let it happen, and then they did nothing about it. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair, but I also think, to his and Tockett's credit, nobody has raised that point, and I didn't think of that till right now. No, nobody has made the comment of like, how did the Sabers let this happen? Which, you know, is actually kind of interesting because you could argue that the more progressive approaches like how the fuck did the sabers let this happen he had you know the dude baked a cake back yeah. there you see how much space he had how much time he had you know this guy has yeah. tried the michigan at least be, so, be you know, know aware of that send two guys behind the net and block this to the front of the ice the best thing he can do that at that point is send it back to the point but yeah my th- you know i i just like i said I, i'm not i'm not trying to play devil's advocate i just think that there is a part of this that I, I I think we can lose sight of because this is what we want to see. You know, uh, I had a really long conversation with a couple of people um, after Tockett made his comment the next night about, you know, where Biz asked him, like, what would you have done, Talk, if you were out there? And he was like, oh, as a player or a coach? And they were like, both. He's like, I, I you know, he would have had to play. He's like, it's incredible. Don't get me wrong. What he did is so dope he would have had to pay the next time he was out there. And that comment didn't bother me. And I had a really long conversation with some people. Uh, Nick Morgan writes about Nashville. Uh, Robin Pennington's been on this before. Uh, Guy JJ writes about the Detroit, um, you know, just some, some really smart people that I, I really respect. And one of the things that we kind of worked through and I really appreciated was them thinking about talkings and it's, it's essentially corporal punishment. Right. And because the thing that I said is I was like, yo, like if you pull some slick shit like this, like you got to look over your shoulder. Like that's just in my brain. Like I'm not saying it's good, bad or indifferent. If you're Trevor Zegers and you do that to a bunch of grown men, like they, he embarrassed them. Let's be very clear about that. And he's a rookie. He made them, <laughs> he made them look like fucking fools. Yeah. It's awesome. It's so dope. It, it's it's the closest we're going to get to an NHL poster, right? But I also understand that these are men with pride. They're on national television. This was a nationally televised game. They know that they just got put on a poster, and I'm not going to let you do They've that. They've viewed 50 million times letting it happen, right? Yeah, so. like, you know, and, and so, like, the understa- like, the idea of, like, yo, like, all right, this kid's going to get fucked up, and let's see if he tries that shit again. Like, the... <sighs> I understand the mentality behind that, right? Because defense, a, a tool in defense is physicality, right? That's why you cross-check guys yep. in the front of the net. That's why you hit guys into the boards when they're taking the puck deep. You want to create that doubt, that that little split extra second in their mind where they're like, can I do this? The problem with that is if it's after the fact, it becomes 
a retaliation as opposed to preventative. And, you know, like I said, like this is something I really had to work through because I really didn't have a problem with talk it said. And then I talked to some people and they, they kind of helped me work through this. And, and I really understand the, the idea as far as what. Uh, Shane says, if your pride is here, play better defense. <laughs> yeah, no, you know what I mean? And somebody kind of made the point. I think it was Nick and Nick Morgan, right? Like I said, right about the predators. And he made the comment to, to me that he's like, so are you for beating the batter? And I'm like, well, no, like if you give up a home run, you give up a home run. Don't throw a bad pitch. You know, and he was like, well, this is the same. And then I was like, well, I don't think it is because it's like also don't do it again. Like, you know what I mean? No one's saying don't hit a home run. They're just saying don't pimp your home run. But like it, it is kind of the same thing. And so like I just, you know, I don't know. I, I just I have had a very interesting evolution with this conversation over the last two and a half days. And I think there is room to talk about what it is that Rick Tockett said and what it is that Tortorella is saying. And instead of just being fucking annoyed and going for dunks on Twitter and stuff, you know, like honest to God, dude. And I can't believe this is where we are. The only good take I've seen about what Tort said was Felix. And he was just like the best. The only thing I'll say about this is damn Dallas Eakins should get more credit for going out of his way to say, I am not going to step on this kid's creativity. That's the only takeaway from this that I really think is worth anything. Yeah. It's not surprising everybody, from Torts. Like this is That's the thing. Everybody knows who he is. Everybody knows how he feels. And like I'm not saying people aren't entitled to their reactions and I understand the way in which this is gatekeepy and it's it's you know, like I said, there are moral and cultural and, and philosophical things here at play that are kind of against, you know, some of what a lot of us want this game to become. But I don't think I don't think he's a bad person because he just wants the game to be played a certain way. He's just kind of boring and yeah. he's just kind of tough. And you know what I mean? And so like, that's what he's had success you know, with. Talk- that's what he's done. His entire career is he's coached teams a certain well, yeah. way. And like, listen, I've sat back on the talking thing and I've, I've said, I like, I'm fine with it in the sense that like, you I don't want to, you're not going to go out there and, and headshot the kid after because he did that. And that's the vibe I got from Rick talking, but in the sense yeah. of like, go out there and don't let it happen again or like go out there and send a message in the sense like play him a little bit more physical be a bit more rough on him play him a bit closer because he just embarrassed you it's like if you know somebody walks up to the plate hits a home run bat flips he's gonna probably get hit with the pitch some point later in the game or or you know he's gonna get slid hard or if you nutmeg somebody in soccer like they're just hard tackles coming in like you got embarrassed so i can understand his point in the sense that, all right, like next play he's out there, we're gonna hit him hard, or we're gonna play him tough, or we're gonna give him a couple whacks on the, on the wrist or at the ankles or whatever where the pads aren't aren't uh, or where you know where they aren't really covering any any part of his body there. So I can understand that in the sense, but from talk it like just knowing his coach and what he was as a player, like I get a vibe from him that was like, I'm gonna go out there. And I'm gonna hit him in a vulnerable position, take his head off. Like that—that that was just the vibe I got from it. But the premise of the idea is, I get it. Like the Sabers should have been embarrassed. They should then play better defense next time he's behind the net, and they can go out there and and say, "Listen, you're not gonna do this to us again. We're gonna play you a bit tougher." And I, they didn't really do that because Zegra still kind of had his way with them for the rest of the game. But like Torch comments bother me a bit more than Toggins because I've sat back on it, um, and I'm more so just upset with. Not even upset, but just annoyed with the. You know, I know what talk it meant when he 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 meant 
get out there and literally murder this kid and and show him you can't do this again. You're on mute. Don't even know how that happened. Whatever. Oh, it must have been when I was trying to make fun of Brett in the chat. Um, and I hit the wrong button because I'm stupid. Uh, yeah, like, you know, part of that conversation that I was having with those uh, with those people is, like, one of the things I said is I was like, yo, like, if the next time he's against the boards and you fucking nail him, like, that doesn't bother me. Like, if he goes to the net hard and somebody just dumps his ass, I don't have a problem with that. That's going to happen anyways. It's, it's, you know, it's the, the chop on the wrists, it's the head hunting, it's, you know, knee stuff. Like, intent and to that's where you, yeah, intent to injure. And that's kind of where you can get into the dicey stuff. And I think that's where the line isn't clear, right? Because, you know, you know, you're getting into gradations of what isn't, isn't an acceptable physical response to being embarrassed as an adult. And, like, one of the things for me is, like, what happens in sports and what happens in the real world, they're not the same. You know what I mean? Like, and for good and for bad, I think I do a very good job of separating them. And the question kind of becomes, like, what does this say about who we are? What does it say about that? Like, I'm not – I don't want to moralize this as that, but I just think there is something to be said of there is – what talk it said and the way that it could be taken too far, right, is bad. It is bad for the game. That is actively bad for the game. If you are hurting skill players that can make the game more engaging and more fun and more exciting for people, that's a problem. If you're just going to go, you know, dump a guy into the fucking crease because he made you look stupid and you're going to lay on him and whisper in his ear, bro, I rooted for Corey Perry. I don't give yeah. a shit. Like, I'm not, you know, I've seen I mean? a lot I'm of that over the years, about so. it. Yeah, like I, you know, Corey Perry's never found blue paint he could stand on. It's impossible. Like if it's blue paint, he just falls. He has an allergic reaction and he falls. You know, so I don't know. I, I think if it wasn't torts, there might be a little bit more room for a conversation. But then again, Tockett and him kind of said similar ideas, and everybody got mad at both of them. So I, I don't know. It's it's one of those things, I guess, as far as like. Like you said, like to me, the idea that it's bad for the game is insane. I get what he means. You know, he doesn't want it to turn into an and one mixtape, but like I would very much love for it to turn into an and one mixtape. Like I would like it's to see stuff. It's just what the generation now wants because we've grown up on highlight reels and watching highlight reels. Yeah. And now, like, that's what it's about, right? Like that, and every sport is going through the same thing: a change in personality. The sports that didn't have personality, baseball, hockey, soccer, to some extent, you've now added these creative flair to all these games, and they're trending in that direction. The NHL is just a step behind a few other leagues in getting there, but that's just the way sports are going. That's just—if you don't like it, I mean, that's fine. That's your opinion, but that's where it's going. They're always going to cater to the up, next upcoming generation because that's your next mm-hmm. waiver fans. They're not going to go back to the physical style of hockey that Torch likes unless that's what they want. And clearly it's not when you look at the reaction to that goal. That's fine if Torch wants that. I, I don't mind. The one thing I want to get into, because I don't want to spend an hour on this, if that doesn't – because Torch said he's going to have a talk with – if they were on his team, he'd have a talk with them. My problem with that – 
if that doesn't get if that doesn't go in the back of the net, is that a bad play? I don't think it is because that's a pass to the slot, dangerous area. Do you think it's a bad play if it doesn't go into the back of the net? No, no. There's no way to say no. There's there's no way. There's no way to say it's a bad play. I think, um, you know, like you said, like it's a pass right into right in front of the net. Like that's that's where you want it to go. I mean, look, we saw this in some of the comments, right? Like some of the people that Torts is talking about, like there are more than a few people who are like, why didn't you just fucking pass it to Milano on the floor? And like my comment there would be like, well, because it's a lot easier for goalies to stop things that are on the ice than it is for them to stop things they can't see. three sabers in the crease. (laughs) Yeah, you know, but like you already saw that kind of reaction. And so, you know, I I don't think it's a bad play. I think it's just, it's a different... Again, like it just, it stretches the ice. It just, it makes verticality a part of the game in a way that it, it really hasn't been before other than tip shots, you know, other than like putting something up high and hoping to get like a low tip. There's really not been that aspect of verticality. I mean, the closest thing is like a chip and, you know, like a chip and chase where you kind of saw uh, Henrique embarrass Vatman right after the trade where he pops it over top. But that's that's you know uh, that's still very creative in a way that you know it's the vertical version of chipping off the boards and going around but like it's still the the downside to there is the puck is just going to go deep and you know so it's just a little extra but this is just no i'm going to put this right here in front of the goalie and he's never going to know and and it's just incredible you know i and the, th- the thing know, with Zegers too is he's like it's not like he's doing this in the neutral zone and losing the puck. Like he's doing all this in the offensive zone to create chances, and they're good chances that he's creating. It's not like he's trying to put it between his legs, make a pass in the neutral zone, it's a turnover and it goes the other way. Like he's doing these in the right, right position. Like he's he's not making bad decisions, even if they don't work out. Like he p- probably could have gotten that between the legs pass to um, through Dowdy to Milano. Milano had it could have put that in the back of the net. It was he was one step behind the play, right? Like the, the he's very close to pulling a lot of these off. And I mean for Zegers this is gonna be the rest of his career. He's just gonna continue to do these things and that's what we want from him is to continue um to pull plays off like this. Um we gotta we gotta move on. We have to because we've got like several other things to talk about today. Um <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna talk about Milano a little bit because his um his his numbers are amazing. Like the points again, eight goals, twelve assists, twenty points in twenty three games. But my favorite charts, he looks amazing on. He looks great on the RIPM chart for evolving hockey. He's contributing on all ends of the ice. Great on the power play, puck. Uh, sorry, play driving, puck distributor. Not a detriment defensively. Contributing on, mm-hmm. on you know his finishing has been great this year. He's been a really efficient passer of the puck. Like it's just. It's not all on Zegers. Like we talk about McDavid and whoever plays with McDavid, and before that, whoever plays with Crosby, they're not that great, but they're playing with these guys, so they're, you know, they're good because they're playing with these guys. And and I feel like Milano, not from definitely not from Ducks fans, but the belief is, oh well, he's playing with Zegers, so obviously he's going to be playing well. But I think he deserves some credit because he has been very good on his own this year. Like he's been making things happen himself. Yeah. No. I I think. I think what you're seeing is someone who needs a buddy, right? He 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 just again, especially under torts, 
he wasn't going to find somebody who was going to be either able or willing to just do some of the aggressive, I don't know, aggressive, like just high skill stuff, right? Some of that more creative stuff. He comes to Anaheim, you know, he has a couple of good games after the trade deadline. He misses a year with injury and he comes into this and now he's playing with Zegris and Zegris is, you know, he's got enough creativity to fill buckets. So, you know, him and Milano apparently just kind of see the game similarly. They just kind of found some chemistry. I mean, you know, I saw they were talking about it after the goal with Zegers and just like, you know, you guys found some chemistry. He's like, yeah, we have. Like, he, he didn't really have, you know, anything like, oh, yeah, we stay up late every night, you know, painting each other's nails or anything like that. It was just like, it was, you know, he was just like, yeah, we just seem to kind of get it. And they've played really well together and they just seem to be having fun. You know, and I'm just so happy for Milano because there's so many times, and we'll, I just look down on the notes, we'll get to this a little bit later, where a player just goes stale somewhere and they're not able to recover. You know, whether it's because the expectations are too much, the situation is too difficult, or, you know, they just can't kind of get past whatever is holding them back. Like, we just see players just kind of fizzle out, and these are skilled guys. You know what I mean? Like, to get drafted, you have to be good. So, I just think it's it's really nice and it's a really wonderful story to see someone like Sonny Milano who was plagued by inconsistencies, you know, kind of early on in his career, find someone that he's got this kind of chemistry with and just be able to go out and have fun and just look a lot more like the guy they thought they were drafted, yeah. um, you know, in, in Columbus. So it's just awesome for him. You know, his underlying numbers defensively are actually really solid, which is nice. Um, you know, and, and you watch him, and he's just fucking all effort, man. Like, he just works. And then he's got that skill and that kind of tenacity to go with it. And it's just, it's wonderful to see. He's been a real joy. Like, as much as Troy Terry has taken the quantum leap and Trevor Zegers has been a revelation, like, Sonny Milano's just been a wonderful thing to watch this mm-hmm. year. And if he wasn't on a line with Zegris, but was still performing, I just don't know that he would get this kind of love. So I'm kind of, well, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a catch 22. Well, he'd either be playing with Getzlaff and then it would be always playing with Getzlaff or he'd be playing with Zegris and it's always playing with Zegris. Right. So it's tough for him, but he, he deserves the credit for what he's done. Like that, that line is so tough to play against, not because they're so skilled offensively. They do not lay off the puck. Like Zegris and Milano Mm -hmm. are probably two of the best puck pressures on the team. Like they're relentless when like you're trying to break out of your own end. They're both hounding pucks. If they have a little bit of space, they'll get in there. They'll get inside. They'll whack at the stick. They'll like Zegers has probably been the Ducks' best player in that in intercepting pucks in the opposition zone and hounding defenders and trying to get the puck back. Milano's been just as good at that. And like, you know, the, the the numbers show it too. Like, and you just have to watch the game to watch how these guys play. Like, I would hate to play against them right now because of how relentless they are on their pursuit of the puck and then just the the chemistry and the skill they have going the other way like you just don't know what they're gonna do you could feel like you could be in, yeah. in good position and then all of a sudden milano sneaks behind you and zegris just sends a ridiculous pass threaded through your feet right to him so it's it's a lot of fun for us i would hate to play against them right now there really hasn't been a night off for them where they haven't looked great they've they've been great or put up points in pretty much every game that they've been together and raquel's a part of that too as well we can't uh we can't forget him. He's been he's been an important part of that line as well. But there's some clear chemistry and with Zegers and Milano, and I just 
just love watching these two guys you know take interviews and like these are the two stars of the ducks right now and they're like just two beach guys right like they just look they look like they hang out on the beach all day it's like i love it for i mean obviously i'm not from from southern california but if you had to think of you know two guys who would epitomize southern california hockey right now it'd be it'd be looking at Sonny milano and, and trevor zegris so it's it's great i love it um Quick note I want to mention, Mason McTavish was suspended three games for a check to the head. Talked about this on Ducks Morning Brew. Apparently won't affect his World Junior Championship eligibility, so just to clear that up for anybody who wasn't sure, uh, he'll be able to go and play for Canada. He's just going through some testing right now, and then he'll join the camp. He looks more than likely to be a lock for that tournament, be the first-line center for Canada, and he'll serve his suspension when he comes back for whatever team he's playing for, because I doubt it's going to be Peterborough. He's likely... Going to be traded. Uh, Zellweger is also at Canada Selection Camp, and Pastuov and Ian Moore head to, I think it's Plymouth, for Team USA's uh, preliminary camp tomorrow. They head out there, and I think that's a four-day camp. It goes until the 15th. And then we're almost World Junior season, so it's going to be a lot of fun. No Zegris this year, so nothing like it was last year, but McTavish and Pastuov will be a lot of fun to watch, and, and Moore and Zellweger as well will be fun to watch from the back end. Um, also, Ryan Getzlaff back at practice. He should be good to go tonight, which will be a relief for the Ducks. Not as much pressure on Zegers, Milano, and Raquel. Getzlaff get or Terry gets his partner back, and he's not trying to carry a line with Sam Steele. And who was it? Uh, it wasn't Derek Grant. Who was playing on that line? Vinny Letary. Vinny <laughs> so, so some relief there for Troy Terry. He was still playing well. I got to give him credit. He was playing well without Getzlaff, but. Uh, There'll be a nice... Hopefully he plays tonight. I don't think it's been confirmed. He's practicing, so it looks good. Uh, and then Henrik is, is still on the IR. Uh, but it gets into a few players I do want to talk about here, and that's Sam Steele and Isaac Lindstrom. Sam Steele, in Getzlaff's absence, was placed on the top line and didn't look great. It was the Troy Terry show, and I'm going to drag these two guys along with me and hope that we can get something done. Vinny Letary was actually pretty good. I'll give him some credit. He's got a great shot, and that's what they, they put him out there for. I, I just don't know what's next for Sam Steele at this point. I uh, chatted about this, I think, on Wednesday's Ducks Morning Brew, but he has not been good this year. The underlying numbers don't look great. He doesn't look great when you watch him on the ice. I just I don't know what... I mean, is this? I guess this is what he is at this point, right? Like he's twenty three, turning twenty four. You know, the same with Milano. Maybe a new scenery or you know, a new opportunity, and, and he can refresh his career. I don't think it's over for him yet, but I think we're getting to the point where maybe it's over for him in Anaheim because you've got Zegers, Getzlaff, and Lindstrom right now, who are clearly the Ducks' best three centers, and all are playing well. You've got McTavish on the way, who will eventually replace Ryan Getzlaff. I don't see where Sam Steele plays down the middle. And then on, on the wing, like I just with Jones and Comtois and Milano now and Terry and Perot on the way and Tracy, like I, I just feel like the time is running out for Sam Steele. He's a pending RFA. Uh, I feel for the kid. I loved him as a prospect. I still love him as a player. I just don't see the fit for him anymore. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, oh, yeah, it's funny, you know, I always bitch about 150 games. He's literally played 150 games and he's got 22 goals and 28 points in 58 games. And, you know, that, that's fine. He just, he just hasn't, hasn't been able to find his footing for whatever reason. And, and you know, you would have hoped getting more time under Aikens to he had some success with in San Diego would have been better, but it just hasn't been the case. I think he's looked better on the wing. 
Um, I think the game slows down a little bit more for him there when he has less responsibility. But, you know, like you said, the, the pipeline at this point at least appears to be full um, on the wings. And it looks like they've got a couple of centers that they can take going forward for a while, not to mention, you know, there's going to be more drafts and more surprises and free agents and all that shit. Um, I, it just feels like he needs to move on. And it's a bummer because he seems like a great kid, man, but it's just, it just hasn't worked for him in Anaheim and maybe he can go somewhere and get a fresh start. But, you know, I, I, well, let me ask you it this way. Would, would you rather flip him in a, my bum for your bum hockey deal or, would you rather use him as an extra, you know, cherry on top? Not cherry on top, but you know, like an extra piece and like a pro- in a trade. Um, you know, I'm 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 honestly fine with both. It just would depend on the the certain situation. Like I I think if you could throw him, oh, whatever well, like, he wants. if you could throw him in a deal, um, him plus to get Jake DeBrusque in the same, you know, players ask for a trade is struggling, right. then then that's fine. But also, if he's a throw-in piece in that deal as well, because it's not going to just be him who gets it done. Um, you know, not every trade like that is a Devin Shore for Sonny Milano, right? Like, you're not always going to get that. You're going to get some Pedersons for Sprongs in there where it just doesn't work out for the Ducks. But um, I, I, well, like, I, I think either way, like, no matter what deal you do, you're you're taking some risk. But at this point, you kind of have to. Like, I just don't. I just don't see it working out for him here. I think there are teams who would be interested in a former first-round pick that had the pedigree that he did coming out of junior that would be willing to give up either one of their own struggling players or, or take him as an additional piece in the larger deal, and you'll get something extra in return for that, or it might be you know the, the last piece that gets you over the line for a certain deal. So I I think we're, you know, either way, I'm fine with it. Um, I, I just don't think it's value too high right now. Would you, I, I don't know how to say this because obviously the answer is probably yes, but like I, I would be interested in like Kravitsov, right? Yeah. I, I wonder if, you know, my guy for your guy swap, it, you know, and Kravitsov's more of a recent pick. So maybe, you know, you got to throw like a third pick in there with him in his pocket. Um, but, I, I, you know, those are the kind of deals I think could be interesting. And I also think that they might be able... The other question, right, is if you look at some of these teams that are spending... You know, like, like I wonder about, like, Chicago, right? Like, would Chicago give up, like, a third-round pick for Sam Steele? Because they just have nothing else right now going for them, and they need to bring in young talent. They're also like, shopping again, Dylan Strom, so you could do a steal plus for Dylan Strom or something as well. I, yeah. I just, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, 100%. But I just, like, you know, I wonder if you could just get a nice pick and not add more to the pipeline and just kind of have it, you know? I, I don't know, but it's it's interesting. And I, you know, we've talked about it, um, and I mentioned it on Twitter the other day. Him and, him and Max Comtois, man, like, I'm just, I'm not 100% sure they're on this team the next time the team is, like, a legitimate contender. It's tough. You know, which... If it's this year, then I'm probably wrong. But, like, um, you know, I just I, – I think those two guys are, are going to be looking at a hard hard roster to crack. Yeah, come to us to get got a bit more rope, I think, obviously, with the injury and oh, everything in, in last year. But, yeah. Think, 
I just think with the way Milano's played, because I mean, look, I think the reality is a lot of us expected uh, Comtois to be at worst based on his play early on so far, a second line. You expected him to be doing what Milano's doing right now, twenty points in twenty three games, playing with Zegers, you know, playing playing well. Yeah, and you know, I I don't you know I <laughs> you can't get rid of Milano at no. this point. Can't take him off and that line either. You still got you still got Jones and. Then you've also still got Rico, and you've got Silverberg, and then you've got Perot and Castillo and Tracy, and like, there's just a plethora of of players right now for for a limited amount of spots. And as much as that's a good thing, it's also leading to some hard decisions. And I, I think it's very easy to envision a world in which Comtois makes more sense, you know, to bring something back. Yep. You know, I mean, he was a player we kind of threw in when all the Gerard rumors were going around because he's young, he's cost-controlled, he has the goal-scoring upside. Um, you know, he was the captain for the World Junior team, so he's got that kind of pedigree. Like, yeah, throwing in the Eichel trade know. discussions is a big piece, too, so. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, I, it's just, it's a very interesting thing for me, and I, I don't think this is where I expected this team to be. Um coming into this year that though that Comtois was a guy that I was like ah, he's not gonna you know but it's just crazy man this is what it might be so I don't know all right you gotta make a decision here we've only got time for one so we've got Claude Giroux to Anaheim uh Bleacher Report listed him as a possible destination for the Ducks or our conversation we alluded to at the beginning of the show of Jeff Solomon will he overreact to the Ducks success well, let's do that because we're going to do the show tomorrow morning too, right. and we'll get into the Giroux thing. Yeah, well, for anybody who doesn't know, we're doing a Patreon show tomorrow. I guess nobody knows because only you and me have discussed it. But we're recording a <laughs> Patreon show, uh, basically diving into some wild trades. Stephen and I both got uh, two divisions each. We can only make trades within those divisions. And then we also um, put two Ducks trades out there. So, yeah, we'll talk about it on that show. If you want to hear us talk about Claude Giroux to uh, – to Anaheim, then uh, we'll talk about it on the Patreon. So she'll have to join the Patreon for that at patreon.com slash forevermighty. But let's get into the Jeff Solomon Ooh, conversation. Look at that plug. What a pro. Yeah, gotta throw it in there. You know what I mean? Um, all right. You put out a great Twitter poll um, about will basically will Jeff Solomon overreact to the Ducks' success, right? That was kind of the gist of it. And what will management do because it's been such a pleasant surprise this year? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I think it kind of boils down to two questions, which is one, are they for real? And if not, will they overreact? You know, because it was kind of like, yes, they'll re overreact. No, they won't overreact or no, they're not overreacting, but they are going to go for it. And and I, I just think it's really interesting. We kind of talked about it a little bit at the beginning. Like, you know, this team has the pieces to go out and be interesting and the more that this season goes on, the farther away they get from the lottery, right? You know, I, you know, I mean, and do, it feels silly to say because, like, they got Getzloff at, like, 19 and Perry at whatever. And then, obviously, we saw what happened with Perot and Pastiop and Zellweger. And we know that there are valuable places to be found. But it also makes me wonder, like given where they're at is this a chance where maybe they move their first round pick this year in a way to try to bring somebody in and maybe try to do you know just do that like really try to send a message to the team you know that solomon's got their back or maybe solomon is trying to make a play for the job um i just there's a lot of different things 
you know, that I think are going on right now. But I just kind of want to get your thoughts. Like, where do you see this happen? Where do you see this going? Yeah, I, I honestly, I think just based off the comments, I, I, I think they're still going to kind of stay the course here. And, um, you know, I think Raquel gets moved, and I think one of Lindholm or Manson get moved. Probably more so Manson. I think the Ducks will probably have a discussion on a contract extension with Hampus Lindholm, and then we'll, you know, he'll be a kind of wait-and-see type guy. Mm. But, uh, you know, Brett asked this question, too, on, on Twitter about Raquel, and, you know, if he continues to play the way he's playing with, with uh, Milano and Zegris, does he kind of become not expendable at that point because they're such a great trio? I don't want to throw Ricard Raquel under the bus. I think he's been a valuable part of that line. I think if anybody's replaceable on that line, it's Ricard Raquel. I think you yeah. could slot somebody in in a similar role who could do just as well. Um, Raquel's not been a passenger, per se, on that line, but he's been the third man. Right, like we talked about that with uh, Henrik Getzlaff and Terry. Getzlaff and Terry were the duo, and Henrik was really good, but he was kind mm-hmm. of the passenger on that line. And it always kind of seems to be the case, unless you've got like a Marsha and Bergeron Pasternak type line. Like there, you know, there's not too many, too many times when all three of them are, are kind of clicking at the same level. I, I think Ricard Raquel can be replaced, and you can put somebody else there. Whether it's Maxim Comtois coming back from injury and you play him there, or you pick up a Jake DeBrusque in, in the trade for Ricard Raquel and you play him there, I, I think right. you know you can put a shot first winger on that line, and they'll they'll do the job and they'll get it done. And Zegers and Milano will continue to do what they're doing. But there's a clear duo on that line. Um, so I think you know you should still move Ricard Raquel. I don't think you should fall into it's a contract season he's back like no it's a contract season he's playing really well on a great line right now he's putting up good numbers this is when you move him this is not when you say oh let's resign him because we did it with Henrik. we did it with silverberg i don't think we can fall in that trap and do it again <clears throat> with ricard raquel and you know he even if you sign him i'm not saying he's just going to fall off the earth like he'll still be a good player and he could work really well on that line but i think we have a lot of young, younger players coming up. Perot could be in this lineup next year and do exactly the same, if not potentially better. Cost-controlled, you're not paying him potentially four and a half to five and a half million dollars for the next four years. You've got some more cap flexibility there where you have to re-sign Zegras and Drysdale in the next two years. The Ducks aren't really going to be cap-strapped, but also if you re-sign Hampus Lindholm... You start to these contracts start to hurt you at that point. If you, you know, Henrik's the next two years, Silverberg's I think the next two years as well. You add Raquel into the mix, Fowler obviously with his contract, you start to get into an area where you might be hurt by that, and you're in like a Vancouver Canucks type situation where you're struggling to yep. resign Pedersen and Hughes, right? So I don't want to be in that situation. I imagine the way Zegers is playing when his contract extension kicks in, it's going to be similar to Jack Hughes, where Jack Hughes got like eight by eight. Yeah. And Drysdale yeah, no, will be I, I, probably five, six, seven around there, I would imagine, for a long term. If they can sign him long term, he might take a bridge. But you don't want to just hamper yourself at that point is kind of my, my thought process with that. Same with Josh Manson. The only one I could argue, again, is Hampus Linton because I think he he's valuable to this team more so than those guys. There's not a lot of depth on the left side of defense going down, or at least immediate coming into this team. Zellweger is probably a couple years away, Thrun the same. And there's no guarantee that they're going to jump in and do the job. And it's just Fowler and Lindholm right now. And I think you can you can stick with those two and be fine and have Drysdale on the right side and replace Manson with somebody else in the future or somebody else from San Diego 
um, or in free agency or a trade or whatever, and you can you can stopgap Manson and Raquel. I don't think you can stopgap Lindholm at this point, so that's why I would I would arguably keep him around. Yeah, and you know Brett kind of mentioned in the chat that like it, his question is more of like a chemistry one, and yeah. like is Raquel like kind of empowering them and and i think the thing i would say to that is like if that is the case then he isn't a passenger right and you know i um i just think what you're seeing is that raquel's skill set perfectly functions on that line but his skill set is not unique and it is not uh, exceptional, right? He's a very good offensive player. He is not a great offensive player. So unless he is either willing to take a pay cut or Trevor Zegers comes and says, like, I need this guy around because me, him, and Milano are making it happen, I don't think you can get yourself in a position where you're committed to him because if you do that then that means you're gonna have to use some of those assets as makeways to move Silverberg, to move Henrique maybe even to have to move out of Fowler right like you're just gonna like you said at a certain point you're gonna start to run out of roster spots and the last thing you want to do is Vancouver's a perfect example is lock yourself into a 21 man roster because you spent too much on middle six or bottom six guys yeah. and with the talent in the pipeline I don't know how long Raquel should be expected to be a top six guy on this team so yeah I also I also think you you, you take the risk that even if he is the perfect fit, and that's the point we're arguing here, is like if he is the perfect passenger, and that's what we're saying, I still think you let him go and you take the risk that Perot could do the same or that somebody else could do the same because the contract that you're going to lock Raquel into at his age and one rebound season versus two or three of not-so-great years, you know, there's just not enough there for me to say, okay, like I, I want to pay him four to four you know, four and a half to uh-huh. five and a half to, to because he's the perfect passenger. I'll take a risk that Perot on his entry-level contract or somebody else we can get for a lot cheaper, even Comtois, could step in and do the same. And and Shane made a point in here, and it'll be the, the last thing we get to because I, I got I to gotta head out soon. But um, he said, I, I think you could argue that Raquel makes sure they do the stuff we love. I don't think that's necessarily true because if that was true, that would mean Raquel would be kind of the defensive force of that line creating space for Zegers and Milano to do what they're doing. But Zegers and Milano have been better defensively than Ricard Raquel have this year. Raquel's been a very good goal scoring option, which is what he's there to do to be the secondary shot option when Zegers and Milano are kind of making things happen with the, you know, their passing ability that Raquel kind of comes into the zone late and is a secondary option to that. And he's been really good at that. But I think you can get others who can just do that the same, right? Like, I don't think – and that's not a detriment or, you know, a negative to Ricard Raquel. It's just I think you can get others for cheaper and some or promote from within where you don't have to pay this guy at 29 to, to be that guy when you already have done that with a few other guys and are stuck in some contracts with Henrik and Silverberg. I like Henrik. He's done well this year. I like Silverberg and his fit with Lundestrom. 
I don't think you can have three of those guys on the team when you've got this many young players within a couple of years of making the Ducks roster. Uh, I love the way they played this year. They're a great team this year. They're better than I expected. All the credit to them, but you can't abandon the plan you have of the young players on the way and the, do what you've worked so hard to have one of the best prospect pools in the system to keep this guy around just because he's doing well this year on your on your best line. I, I There's no argument for me at all this year. I will not be convinced that the Ducks should keep Ricard Raquel. Um you, you know, you, there's a, I have like a 2% chance of maybe being convinced that Josh Manchin's to stick around. Lindholm's the, the 50-50 argument for you, but for me, Ricard Raquel needs to get traded. And it's not because he's played bad or anything like that. I just do not want to lock him down to a, a contract because he's played well on a good line in a contract year. I'm not, not ready to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, and I mentioned this to you a couple weeks ago, and Brett hit it right on the head for me, is like, I think the best option, especially if this team keeps this up, is to let him walk. They did it with Bolesky, and I understand Bolesky wasn't necessarily going to get the same kind of return that Raquel might, but, like, let's not, you know, let's not kid ourselves. Bolesky, like, had a great year that year, and the Ducks could have gotten something of note for him. You know, he ended up getting, like, a $5 million fucking contract or something stupid uh, from... The Rangers. Uh, or Boston. No, uh, yeah. Boston. Um, you know, but I, I would be much more open to just letting him walk. I, I think that's probably the best way to do it. You, you know, the other thing I want to say, the other thing I wanted to say is also look at David Perron. He has been uh, a St. Louis blue 75 times and who knows, maybe Raquel could be our David Perron and he could just keep coming back like a boomerang. As long as he takes David Perron money and only makes $4 million and puts up 70-point seasons, that <laughs> well, I'm, sure. I'm all there for uh, it, So uh, I know you have to go, so we'll just say a couple things. Me and Eddie are going to do a dumb fun episode tomorrow morning, which we'll try to get out early in the week. Uh, and then tomorrow at Yorba Linda Lamp Post will be the watch party, and Pat's going to be pissed because I'm tapping my table. Um, uh, but me, Jay, and Pat will all be there, and apparently some of you are going to come because you're sickos. Um, but the game is at 4. I think we're supposed to be there around uh, 3.30. So, yeah, come say hi, even if it's just for a couple of minutes or whatever. It should be fun. So, Quick hits. Win tonight? Yes or no? Mm, no. Win tomorrow? No. And Wednesday, Seattle, Friday, Arizona. Seattle, yes. Arizona, yes. I think win tonight, lose tomorrow, win Seattle, win against Arizona. There's only two games next week, so it's a nice little break after five games. Well, I I would love to see another five-game week because I love watching the Ducks five times in a week, but they they need the rest. It's been a tough road trip. And they're back home next week, so everybody listening who's in the area, you get to go watch them play Seattle and Arizona next week. So, And Arizona might not even have a home arena at that point, so they might have to play the rest <laughs> of their games at Honda Center. So that's, uh, that's for another day. But, hey, we didn't expect to go live today, but thanks for everybody who came out uh, from what is most of you a Saturday morning. Uh, like Steven said, we'll be doing a Patreon show tomorrow. So if you want to check that out and you're not part of our Patreon, go to patreon.com slash forevermighty. And we're going to be putting out that trade show tomorrow. And uh, I'll be back Monday with Ducks Morning Brew. You said it, not me. I tried to give you more time than that. <laughs> I'll be uh, back Monday with Ducks Morning Brew. And we'll be back next weekend with another weekly show. Appreciate you guys coming out. And we'll see you then. Bye, everybody.